Good evening, after Villa fans. Welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. Before we get started, if you are new to this channel, please hit subscribe and you can follow me on all audio platforms as well. This evening, I'm joined by my special guest, Paddy, who is the co-host of the For the Love of Paul McGrath Aston Villa podcast. I'll be doing the pre-match talk show. It's Sunday, it's a 4.30 p.m. kickoff. It is a clash of the Clariton Blues. I'm really looking forward to this game. All right, Paddy, how are you doing? All right, I'm very good, thanks. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. I feel very privileged. You've had some esteemed guests and then you pick me to come with you, so I feel very, very privileged. Yeah. <laughs> It's great to have you on this show. Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled that you asked me to come on. I'm really looking forward to chatting and getting into this uh, game at West Ham with you. Well, I really enjoyed uh, the live podcast that you and Neil did in Dublin in the afternoon. Yeah, it was it was a, a special day, I think, for everyone that was there and and. I can't get over the love since we put it out there of how much everyone enjoyed it. So it's kind of um, given us a kick in the ass now to go and, and uh, get planning the next one because uh, I think everybody really enjoyed it and everyone had so much fun and made lots of new friends, as as we did too. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to planning out a new one and who knows, maybe we might even do one in Birmingham next time. Because I thought it was very entertaining with good humour as well. It was. It was good fun. We, we we had some great guests, and you would have seen uh, Max and Simon from Villa on tour, and Dan Bardell. We'd Adam Slack from the Struts, and then to top it all off, we had the great Ian Taylor at the end, who I think everyone would agree is uh, an absolute hero. And um, I think he, he he found a whole new uh, merry band of fans this at, on that on that weekend because uh, it was absolutely incredible to have him there because he's just. A very infectious guy, obviously a Villa fan like ourselves. So to just sit there and chat to him about about Villa and about football, it's, I, I just can't believe it actually happened. It's amazing. Well, well you and Neil, so like a comedy duo. <laughs> I, I don't know whether you laugh at us or laugh with us. And <laughs> also, I found it very fascinating. The story about you becoming a Villa fan. Yeah, I, th I think that was a bit of a, a, a shock to everybody. I think, I think most people have watched it. So I'll, I'll briefly tell people that I, I, I was actually a Liverpool fan when I was very, very young, and uh, Steve Staunton was my hero. And as luck would have it, he moved to Aston Villa, and I moved with him. But. I have no doubt in my mind, despite all the trophies and, and European Cups that Liverpool won, that, that supporting Aston Villa was the best decision I ever made in my life. For the amazing friends and everything it's given to me, it's just a pleasure to be a Villa fan. Can you really honour the Steve Thornton? 
I certainly did. Um, I called my son Stephen as well, <laughs> who's uh, who's now an adult himself, and I think it's very funny to be telling people that story. Yeah, but he was like, obviously, um, well, I, I, I was lucky enough to play as a, as a left back, and he was a left back, and I, I just kind of modelled my game on him and tried to watch everything that he did, and it was, uh, you know, he was such a good player, and he had such a good left foot, and. He was uh, he was never in trouble or anything like that. He was such a great role model that uh, why wouldn't I pick him? It was just it was just uh, it was just the look that um, he he made me one of the chosen ones. That, you know, when they say you don't choose Aston Villa, it was him that chose Aston Villa for me, and it's probably the best gift anyone has ever given me, I suppose. Because Aston Villa chooses you, absolutely a hundred percent. And I think I think everybody out there has a, has a story of. Of how it it shows them, and even around the part of the world that you're from, where, it, but but for one poor decision, you could have gone to the Hawthorns or, or or to Blues with your uncle or your aunt or your grandmother or your grandfather. So everybody has a little story about how they were chosen, and uh, I think everyone that's chosen is very very lucky because despite the fact that we we're not winning any major trophies in the last 40 years it's it's just an amazing community of amazing people and you know i can't stress enough how blessed i am to feel part of it like this weekend is my first trip to to villa park this year um obviously we've got a an 18 year old starting college and all the expense that comes with that so oh, we've yeah, got to prioritize everything this year so this is my first trip and hopefully first of many and hopefully we get three points to make it an even more successful trip. Because Steve Staunton, was it the 1990s he played the Villa? The early yeah. 90s? Yeah. He joined in August 1991. Um, so he, he was coming off the back of, of representing Ireland in the World Cup in 1990. He had a really good World Cup. Um, then went into he played a really good game against England at Wembley in the March of that year, and you know he arri he arrived at Aston Villa in in probably what was the best time for 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 Irish fans and probably what made a lot of Irish fans choose Aston Villa is is the fact that he he came there with Paul McGrath with Ray Houghton with Andy Townsend, and I don't I don't think we ever will again have four. Republic of Ireland internationals representing Aston Villa. So you get up there rarely happens these days. No, it's very rare. It's very rare you get more than one or two at any given club. Um, you know, there's I think since those days there's been such an influx of foreign players. Be that for the good or bad, no matter what way you look at it, it is the best league in the world and and and, and people coming from all over the world makes it that. So Unfortunately, we won't have all those Irish players representing Aston Villa. But we have been lucky throughout the years to always have a sprinkling of one or two in there just to keep uh, the Irish people entertained. So if we get more into the talk show, Paddy. Absolutely. I've been using my platform to spread awareness about douche muscular dystrophy. So over the last few weeks... I've been showing different stages of douche, yeah? And the information that you can see will be on the bottom of the screen. This week, I'm doing ages 9 to 13. 
of this this stage three. Let's please help all spread awareness about it. Well, well I'll get I'll get into the talk share, buddy. Great stuff. And um, fair play to you, fair play to you for for using your platform to share it. It's very important that everybody awareness is in, sometimes with, with an illness is more important than raising funds. So the more people that know about it, the better. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And so we'll talk a bit about uh, international football first. Uh, do you think this international break will affect the team's momentum and performances? Um, I hope not. Um, it, it, it seems it seems to have come at a, at a good time for those that weren't involved in international football. I've seen some of the players away on holidays. Dougie Louis got the back got back to Brazil. I was looking at Diego Carlos on holidays in Santorini. And I think I think for some people this is like especially the likes of Douglas Louise who needed a break, it's come at a really, really good time for those guys. Yeah. Um it's not um the, the the difference between international break for, for international players, the most taxing part of that is is the actual travel to get to where they need to play. So you know, for the for the likes of the, the Ollie Watkins joining up with England, the training won't be too heavy. It'll just be all tactics work on how they want to play as opposed to the everyday running and racing that goes on at Bodymore Heat. So um, I hope for everybody they got some element of a break. It was great to see, you know, it, like John McGinn, Pau Torres qualifying for the World Cup, Ollie Watkins uh, getting a goal. You know, all of these things contribute to the, to the, the, the mental... Um, of the game for, for the players and you would hope that they would come back on top of their game and and you know really get stuck in and and just be buzzing off the fact that they, they they've qualified for the world cup leon bailey went to jamaica and scored a goal he should be buzzing so there's there's so much there's so much to look forward to um while i don't really agree with the amount of breaks we have for international football i think the whole thing goes on way too long now um but uh we just it, it's you know for and don't get me wrong i i'm a big fan of international football i i was at the republic of ireland game on friday night i i go to some away games as well i'm, I'm a big fan of international football but i just think there's too much of it there's too many breaks in the league and i would prefer to see maybe one of them possibly this one or the november one taken out in favor of a rest for the players because I have no doubt that they could add one of those games in, into the summer break that they have around the qualifications there and just do it a little bit differently. Because I'm really happy for Tony Watkins scoring. Do you impress Southgate? They worked hard for it as well. Absolutely. Like, we've we've seen a whole new Ollie Watkins since Unai Emery came in just just under a year ago and um, I was of the opinion that maybe it was time to cut our losses and sell him on a year ago and now we have a completely different player who has been trained properly by a decent manager who's done a really really good job with him where he lost his way under Steven Gerrard so I'm very happy for him on a personal level to get you know the the adulation of playing and and, and the absolute honour of playing for your country, because.
because that is the pinnacle of what you can do. And, you know, even if it is only a handful of caps, for people to get that just to be recognised for what they're doing is amazing. I feel sorry for the likes of Esri Konza, who I felt should be in there. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I just don't know what he has to do. I really didn't know what Ollie Watkins had to do. But, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of love for uh, Gareth Southgate and the way he speaks about players. Um doesn't really bring me with any confidence. And and the worrying thing from my point of view is that, you know, if if, if he stays on for a, a long period of time, that players start to think, you know, am I wasting my time at Aston Villa? Am I never going to get an international call-up because I'm at Aston Villa? And it starts to affect us. And that that is my worry when it comes to players like these. But we've tied down Ollie Watkins. We've tied down Esri Konza. So we don't have to worry about those, those players. But... You know, you have to wonder: was there some factor in it in Jack leaving and stuff like that over the years? Yeah. So many times, players players could have played for their country and didn't. That played for Aston Villa. You know, so it, it I I think it's important that when they're playing well, they're picked. Or like I don't believe for any one minute that any football fan believes that Harry Maguire should be in there ahead of Ezri Konza. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. But even when Watkins. When he doesn't score, I like his other attributes as well. Well, he's such a hard worker, isn't he? And yeah, and, and don't get, don't get me wrong, I believe that's changed. As I said, since last year, I I I, I actually thought under Gerard he was quite withdrawn from himself and and uh, you know withdrawn from the bunch and just seemed to you know wander out of position and play very wide and 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 you know Emery is just he like he has told us Ollie Watkins has told us in interviews he's asked him to play through the middle he's asked him to play between the two lines of the box and stay in there and that's where you get ultimately get your chances to score goals and the goals are coming yes he misses some that's fine Erling Haaland misses some but uh he he's definitely scoring a lot more than he was before Unai Emery came in even the work off the ball as well Incredible work off the ball. And and that's that's what you want from a player. Even when he's not scoring, he's getting in he's getting into positions to get those shots on target, get them wide, create goals for others. His his goal creation and his goal involvement stats are very, very high too. So um at the moment, um he's he's absolutely everything we need. There was a time where I thought we needed an upgrade, but Sometimes we all have to hold our hands up and admit when we were wrong. And hopefully, for many years to come, I hope he goes on and bake and really knocks Gabby's record out of the park. Because going back to international football, a lot of the fixtures are very congested. I don't think it helps uh, teams like us to play in Europe. Well, at the moment, it hasn't affected us too much. We we've bounced back fairly well from our from our European games. We obviously won that game at Brighton. We we were probably unlucky not to get the penalty at, at the at uh, Molyneux. So there's a lot of ways of looking at it. But um, we're fifth in the league, despite having played those European games. Even though we've had some terrible injuries that have really cost us. We don't when get you, much with injuries. No, we haven't. And it's just as well we have those few extra bodies in there that, that have signed because, you know, when you when you take Buendia, uh, um, 
Jacob Ramsey and, and Tyrone Mings into consideration, they would have been probably nailed on starters or or, or start most games in, in Buendia's case. So to have extra bodies in there and to have plenty of backup, it just shows how important it is to have a strong squad. And even when when the when the season kicked off, we thought to ourselves it was probably just a little bit too short of bodies, but he has managed them well. Um, as I said, some of them got a break this week. I think that I think that was vital. And you know, I'm really looking forward to see how we bounce back this weekend because it really is a huge game. Oh, and also, Paddy, I don't really know much about the Republic of Ireland the national team, but will they qualify for the Euros? Do you think? No, very, very unlikely. There is there is a small possibility that they will get a, a playoff, but um, it's it's not even a playoff based on the on the league fi- standings, as far as I know. So it's going to be really, really difficult to qualify. Nobody's expecting it. We're really at the lowest we've been in many, many years. Um, nobody is expecting anything from the group of players. And they've more or less said that the manager who is in place at the moment will leave his role at the end of this qualifying campaign. So we could be looking for a new manager this time next month and the next international break. So it's unfortunate, but... Rebuilder needs to start now because, obviously, as we know, the uh, Britain and Ireland have been picked to to host the next Euros. So by the time that rocks around in five years' time, we need to be in a better place to to, so. to either qualify or or be in consideration from one of the two free places that get from from the um from the competition itself. So. Um, we obviously don't want to be in a competition where we're going to embarrass ourselves either. So yeah. there's a, there's, we've got five years and there's some good young players there ready to come through at under 18 and under 21 level and not quite ready yet. We do have a very hot property in Evan Ferguson. So we need to build a team around him. We need to get the right players in around him to get him firing the way he does for Brighton. And, you know, while I'm not completely downbeat about where we are, yeah. we just we just just needs to, to change the manager and, and look to the future now and make sure because the next appointment I think is vital for us. Because when did Ireland last get in a major tournament? Twenty sixteen was the last one. Uh, oh, we, yeah, we the Euros. The Euros in France, yeah. Um we didn't we, we, we got to the second round after drawing with Sweden, losing to Belgium and then Magnificently beaten Italy one nil on the in the final group game, yeah. so and then we eventually went out to the to to the host France um, in the next round, um, but we, we we did okay in that under, under Martin O'Neill, but unfortunately we haven't really bounced anywhere near where where that team has performed. So it, it's all been about rebuilding since then. So seven seven years on, we we've seen most of those players move on. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just all about now aiming aiming towards getting those young players up to speed and creating a team that's capable of getting to a tournament. Yeah, hopefully in the future. Pardon? Hopefully in the future. Hopefully in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you expect from England versus Italy tomorrow? I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I, the one, the one unfortunate thing is that we won't see Zaniolo in that. I was looking forward to seeing him play in England and see how he adjusted his game to to playing against guys that he's playing week in week out against. So um, that's unfortunate. But they always deliver a good game. Um, 
two evenly matched teams, two of the best teams in Europe. And I think there'll be a lot of people gathered around the TV tomorrow waiting for it. Because I've always got bad memories from an England lost on penalties. Yeah, from the, from the Euros a couple of years the ago. Euro yeah. It always haunts me that. Yeah, it's just so well. You, you, like you, you just got to hope that you know that was the next step. They were getting to semi final after semi final after semi final. Then to get to the final and lose a final, you got to hope that the next one is that they get to a final and actually win it. I do believe that they may need a new manager and a new change in direction to do that because if not, the, the golden era, and it is a golden era of, of, of English players that are there, may go to waste. So just with a little bit of tinkering and may, maybe some new fresh ideas. Who knows? You, you might you might be looking at getting to a World Cup final or a Euros final. Going when Kaylee pulled Saka's shirt. Referee missed it. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad decision that was. Yeah, yeah, they've they've a habit of missing those big decisions, don't they? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be be an interesting guy. I think it'd be exciting as well. Going Absolutely. Italy, you have some great attacking players. And with good youth as well. Yeah, um, good, good, two good attacking sides and plenty of, of width there as well with the full-backs and the wingers. Plenty of speed. I'm expecting an end-to-end -end -end game. Um I think that's I think that's what we grow to expect when when you see um, like both teams should really qualify anyway, but you want you want to qualify winning your group, so you expect them to have like a, a cup tie tomorrow night where they go at each other, and and hope that uh, hope that we see a good attack and free flowing game and and plenty of goals. I I, I think England will nick, nick this, but I'm going to go three two. I think there will be plenty of goals. Uh, well, it's been a new era. For Italian football, could have changed a lot of the behind the scenes as well. They have, um, yeah. There's there's a lot going on. Uh, un unfortunately, they're they're back to uh, they're back to dealing with you know scandals again with 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 Zaniolo and Tonali from last week, which is really unfortunate. But you know when you've got some amazing players in there everything seems to have changed even watching italian club football has changed from the boring um methodical passing the ball you know really really slowly it's it's a lot be a lot better and a lot more attacking once they cross the halfway line you know and and you know they've got really really good players and players that are capable of hoarding you so i'm hoping that that doesn't overshadow what they're trying to do They've obviously moved those, removed those two players from the squad, which is unfortunate for our player. We don't know the full extent of it yet, so we don't want to say too much. But uh, it's um, that's the only cloud over over this. What what should be an amazing game, we would imagine. Watching Italian, watching Italian football, it really fascinates me, and they need to massively improve. Could they have underachieved? in previous years since winning the Euros they have they, 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 they failed to qualify for the World Cup then didn't they yeah yeah which which is unheard of for for for, for Italy 
um, you know, such such a a world star on on the international stage. Um, I was lucky enough when I was really young to go to the World Cup in in, in Italy in, in 1990 when Ireland well, first that qualified. Incredible, that was. Oh, it was just the most amazing holiday of a lifetime to to go and see Ireland play at a World Cup and and be able to watch countries like England, Holland. Italy, Argentina, West Germany at the time, all of these amazing, uh, Brazil, I got to see Maradona play, you know, I was just totally blessed with that World Cup. What was it like watching Maradona? Oh my God, he was just an amazing player, absolutely amazing player. Um, that was probably him at his peak. Um, they did eventually lose the final, but uh, to, to get to see him play, um was just a dream for me because, you know, I, I only started watching football during the 1986 World Cup and he, he just absolutely fascinated me. He was he was a, a first, first player that really attracted me to football. So it was an absolute pleasure to get to say I was able to see him just once. Only got one opportunity, but I'll treasure that opportunity that I get to see him play. Because he was very gifted. Oh, he's amazing. And for, for such a small man as well, an amazing turn of pace. And the ball just stuck to his foot. He just had an incredible dri- dribbling skills, as as England know with that goal in, in Mexico 86. Not 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 the one that he's uh, more oh famous for. Yeah, but he, um, we won't talk about the other goal that he scored in that game, but the, the goal where he ran from the halfway line with the ball basically stuck to his foot. It was just incredible to watch. I, I don't think there'll ever be an individual goal like it ever again um in 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 that stage to get to, to do it at a world world cup finals is absolutely incredible we've seen ryan Giggs do it at villa park against arsenal you know it was very similar type of goal, probably beat more people in the run but um those, those goals are very few and far between now because there's so many so many different tactics and layouts and and defensive setups when you lose the ball but there was just nobody getting the ball off from that day did he pull Gus going for the 1990 World Cup? Did he for England? He did, yeah, absolutely. I would have seen him play a few times for Spurs against Villa over the years. But, uh, yeah, he played against Ireland in, in, that, in that match. I'm sure he did, if memory serves me correct. Um, we actually drew with England in, in Sardinia. Um, Gary Lineker scored first and Kevin Sheedy equalised. Um, but amazing, amazing noise, amazing to be able to say you, you got to a World Cup. I'll probably never get to a World Cup again with Ireland, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just don't think we'll ever be good enough to, to be getting to that stage. But, you know, we, we can only hope and that, that's why we go to football, isn't it? We hope that our team will get there. Same with Villa. We've been, but look, we've we've been through all those terrible, terrible years yeah. for the for the last thirteen years, and here we are back in Europe, back on the periphery of Champions it might League. Be good times, but more enjoyable. That's what it is, isn't it? If you take if you take the just take those bad times and park them, and remember, in the bad times, we we, we had each other, we had fun, we we got to, we got to see different clubs and different people coming to Villa Park. Um, you know, when we when we were down in the championship, we got trips to Wembley. You know, there was plenty plenty of high points there, but uh, we're definitely out the other side. And you know, we're 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 playing with the big boys now, so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what Unai Emery does, um, in the medium term as opposed to 
hoping that this happens quicker, but it, we seem to be a lot further down the line than uh, any of us ever, ever expected. So it's amazing. Because in a way, it's a pure genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're speaking to the, the leader of his fan club here. I absolutely adore the man. He just, he will make mistakes. Things will go wrong. You know, Newcastle will go wrong. That mistake, things like that will happen. Um, you know, the, the not being able to turn over Wolves last weekend, that will happen. But we got it as you as as we just said, we gotta take the good with the bad. And I think there will be probably ninety percent good and ten percent bad. And I think if we're doing that, we we'll be there or thereabouts for Champions League football at the end of the season and we'll do very well in Europe. Because on average, we're getting two points per game. And that would be enough to get you at least in Europe. Well that's it. If 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 you can get it up to two point three, two point four. Then, then you're looking at Champions League football, you know, almost guaranteed. It's just getting to that level and we probably will need a couple of players come January to bring them up to that level. And if we do get them, I, th I think we'll blow the opposition away. If he can bring in who he wants to bring in, it's going to be amazing. And I think everybody is super excited for what this man can do because it's quite obvious he's got something really special about him. He probably could win a, tr win a trophy. Well, that's what we all want, isn't it? We are, well, Silverware. I I know at this stage, if you if you offered me Champions League football over over an FA Cup or um, a Conference League, I'd probably take it because I've I've waited all these years for us to get Champions League football, just to get inside Villa Park and hear that Champions League anthem and know that we're eating at the top table of European football and the money is coming in. In, in order to help with financial fair play and get the best players we can possibly put on the pitch of Villa Park. That's what we all want. So if you were to ask me the question, which would I prefer? I prefer Champions League football because it means that we are really, really doing well and we're flying. So that, that's what I want from this season. We're probably, I'm hoping, a bit too too high. But if we got it, I just think it would be an incredible achievement. Going back to international football, who do you think is the best? Republic of Ireland player? Um, well, as I said earlier, Evan Ferguson, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased because he's, he's a family friend. <laughs> I played football with his uncle and my dad played oh, with you? his grandfather. I did, yeah, yeah. So um, I'll tell you a funny story. I don't think I've even said this on, on our podcast. When Evan was 15... I got in touch with Aston Villa to try and get them to have a look at him. And he never heard anything from Aston Villa. So mm -hmm. they did have an opportunity to go and look for him and it never happened, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I, 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 was I was trying my damnedest to, because it, it was quite obvious they had this huge six foot plus at 15 years of age that was playing senior football um, for a centre forward, a real old style centre forward, just to offer something different in attack. And uh, yeah, and Brighton, Brighton came in and, and, and took him away. And look where he's gone. He's gone from strength to strength since he went there. So he, he's our great white hope. We've, we've a number of youngsters capable of coming through if they're, if they're nurtured and, and trained properly. Um, but what we're finding is most, most of our players are struggling to get in at their club level. We do have, we do have a couple of really good goalkeepers. We've Gavin Bazunu at Southampton. We've Quivin Kelleher at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, we've Nathan Collins, who's at, at Brentford now. Um, 
and the the spine is there. It's just just a question of of bringing in a f- just a few more players just to make up and make us a little bit stronger. He's a very exciting young striker. He has scored a lot of goals, especially considering how old he is as well. Absolutely, and like at fifteen years of age, he he played against Chelsea in a friendly. For Bohemians in Ireland, that's how highly thought of he was. Um, so he, he can only get better as long as he doesn't burn out. And they seem to be managing his game time really well at Brighton. He doesn't start every game. They, they pick and choose the ones that are going to suit his style. So I think he's been really well looked after there. And, uh, you know, I think they're just phasing him in as opposed to him starting every week. Because Roberto Deserbe, he's nurtured him really well. He absolutely has, and you see, you see, like he when he brings him in, then he gets the best out of him. He got that hat trick against uh, Newcastle, wasn't it? Newcastle, he got the hat trick. Yeah, against. he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he he could quite easily stand him down, as we've seen in in recent weeks, and and leave him out. And that's absolutely fine if you've got a good manager that knows how to to manage your game time at, at a young age. Um, if you look at some of the players, like like for example, Michael Owen, who was thrown in very early. He he burned out very quickly, and uh, picked up a lot of injuries later in his career. So if if you manage it properly, you you can do really well out of young players. Yeah, Paddy, just give I give a drink. No problem. Take your time. Well, we'll talk about uh, Sunday's game, Paddy. What do you expect from West Ham United game on Sunday? Well, what I hope and what I expect are two different things. I hope I hope that we can we can get three points and continue on where we left off. Um, obviously, we didn't get three points against uh, against Wolves, but we uh, we we could we very real nearly. Did steal the points in the end, but Ollie Watkins haven't hit in the post, and and could have got a penalty right at the end. But it's uh it's going to be a difficult game. Um, the one thing you will get from a David Moyes team is a very structured and defensive team when 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 they lose the ball. So with, with a couple of additions in there, we we we'll see a completely different uh, you know, the likes of Ward Prowse is in there now and. You know they 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 don't have Declan Rice in there, so the midfield is a little bit different. If you if you're looking at Ward Prowse and Alvarez as opposed to Rice and Suchek, it's a completely different dynamic in the middle of the park. Um, and and then again, you know that he's he's just done really well with 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 a, a deep, let's just say a good a good players. Ooh, they're yeah. they're not world they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. But look, he's a really good manager. If you if you take out what what he did at Manchester United. Everything he's done has been really, really positive. Well, he's got a lot of Premier League experience, David Moyes. Absolutely, yeah. And he he's got a lot of players in there with, with Premier League experience to help him out. And then, you know, you, you look you look at all the players that you know he has in attack. The the likes of Jared Bowen, the likes of Paqueta, Antonio, Kudus, um, and then we have our our old mate Danny Ings is is, is still there as well. So there's plenty in attack for Nals who have left out as well. Um, defensively, I think is where we can get at them. 
Um, it, there's there's a, a bit a bit leggy in defence. I think they're capable of shipping goals. Um, you know they're not they're they're having a decent enough season. They're only a couple of points behind us. There's no reason why they won't be there thereabouts as well. Um, providing Europe doesn't take its toll, I, I think they'll be back up in in those European places again. Um, European places and injuries don't take their toll. I think they'll be okay. We got a poor record to get to West Ham at Villa Park in previous seasons. Did we lose there last season? Four one, wasn't it? We lost. I can't remember. <laughs> I think it might have been like, like near Remembrance Day. Don't know. Um, sure think that. Well, that was the season before, though, I bet. Did we play West Ham before Emery came in? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, it might have been still with Steven Gerrard, I think. Yeah. That, that's, that's an era I'm trying to forget. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but in, in general, in general, we don't do well against West Ham. I think they've been a bit of a bogey side for us over yeah, the years. A little bit. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Did, did we win last year at the London Stadium? I don't remember us winning. That is a draw. Yeah. Draw, yeah, I did. And then in another year, Ollie Watkins had a, a goal ruled out. It was narrowly offside. We we had the the game that kept us up as well, which is the one that sticks in my mind when when Jack scored that goal and then. They scored nearly straight away, but there were big celebrations on the pitch for the players after after staying up. That was that was probably the most important game against West Ham in recent years. Because I'm really looking forward to this game. You got both decent Premier League teams. They both have good quality, and also both teams last season they had successful seasons. Both qualifying for Europe, absolutely, and 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 they they won the Conference League last season. Yeah, that's what Yes, yeah, and did did really really well. It's a huge achievement for them as a club. So they they'll be um, you know they they're a force to be reckoned with, and and they you know the the only thing that worries as I said previously if if they're short on players or if they're they're picking up injuries, and you know that they. They've definitely got game changers either in in the in the side or the starting side or off the bench. I think Kudus is going to be a great signing for them. I think I think he will will terrorize defenses as the league goes on and he gets up to the speed of the Premier League. So there's, there's a lot to be worried about, but I'm just so looking forward to this is my first trip to Villa Park this season, and I'm just so looking forward to getting over there on Sunday and and seeing all my old right friends. Now. Yeah, I really hope we do. So. Uh, I've, I get to go and meet my, my old friends and sit, sit in the seat and talk to the friends around me that I've made over the years. So, to me, that's the special part about Sunday. And, where where uh, do you sit at Villa Park? I sit just under the uh, the H there behind you in, in your picture in the Holt End. <laughs> where L3 is where I sit, just behind the just behind the goal to the left of it. So, uh, yeah. It's um we we've had them since just before the the relegation, and uh, we would we wouldn't give them up for the world. We don't get to every game, but somebody usually uses them if we're not there. But uh, it, it, you know we're blessed that we we got those season tickets when we did because I'd hate to be on that list now, trying to get back into to season tickets at Villa Park because it's going to be a few years and hopefully a whole lot longer by the time we we we. Uh, 
we um we get to fill you know the, the hopefully there will forever be a, a, a list for season ticket holders there that um we get to fill the fifty thousand either stadium that means we're being successful and uh yeah be the pride in the midlands forever well, let's see it to the trinity road very good i've seen i've seen your pictures from the corner of the trinity road under the scoreboard isn't it yeah it's a good good seat excellent they done they did a great job on the trinity road when they built it it's such a great vantage point to, until until you're up in the gods i don't like being up in the the third tier of the trinity road i've been up there a few times it's, very, you, it's like it's like watching newcastle away well i know you touched on the install it now what's your thoughts about dieting boys he's an excellent manager um you know, he brings a wealth of experience both, both as a player and as a manager. He's done an excellent job at Everton. He's done an amazing job at West Ham. Um, he's plenty of experience. He's European experience. You know, it's hard to believe there was a point last season where people were suggesting suggesting that he should be sacked. And and now here he is after winning a European trophy and, and, and in the top half of the table, pushing again for Europe again this year. And I've no, I've no doubt in my mind he will. He, he's a very clever manager, and and he will lead them in, into the knockout stages of the Europa League as well. Love you, David Moyes. He's one of the most underrated managers of the Premier League, I think. Absolutely. You, you know what you, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, you know he 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 won't he won't accept players not pulling their weight. You're always going to get a big, strong nucleus of a side, and and, and a sprinkling of uh, flair players around them, and he expects those those big, strong players to put the work right in, and then you know feed feed off whatever the the, the extra talent and uh, and you know the likes of Kudos, Kudus and and Bowen and players like that, you know, really suit his style of play. So they they can always you know have the back four and a couple protecting while the rest of them just go and do their stuff. But he'll always be really well defensively drilled. Obviously, you get games. You know, even we saw Brighton ship six against us. We saw yeah. us ship, ship the goals against Newcastle. These things happen. But you know, in general, his teams are well drilled, uh, set up very well defensively, and you you, you never you never truly know until the game kicks off, how, how, how you're going to line up against them or, or how they're going to combat your attack. So he's a good tactician, um, a real old-school Scottish manager, wouldn't, doesn't take any crap off the players, just drills them really, really well and rewards the hard-working players for the, their place in the, in the team. Well, fair play to uh, the West Ham board. They made a great decision sticking with him during tough times. They certainly did, and and you know, sacking the manager is is not always the answer. So, if if you if you can get a good manager in there, while everybody is not going to be happy all of the time, you know, you can be guaranteed that the, the good times will out outweigh the bad times. We've seen the fair share of managers come and go. Some of them left abruptly, abruptly, like Martin O'Neill. Some were sacked. Yeah. Boy, God, if we had some bad managers over the last 13 years, we've had some very good ones there too of, of late. You know, to have Unai Emery, to have Dean Smith getting us back into the Premier League, who shouldn't be forgotten. 
but before that we, we've we've had some poor poor managers so you know to get the right manager in longevity is the most important thing then if, if you if you pick the right one you got to stick stick with them and, and give them all the tools they need and all the players they need to make sure that the job is done correctly and the West Ham board must be commended for keeping them in there when the pressure was under last year we're going back to Gerard Bowen he supports after Villa does he yeah yeah he was playing for West Ham I never knew that yeah yeah <laughs> I heard that before yeah Wow, and and we we made an attempt to sign him, didn't we? Before he went to West Ham, we, I, we I think Dean Smith did try and sign him. Yeah, that's that's an unusual one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think he's somewhere from somewhere from the Midlands. I think he's from. Very interesting. The new one on me. Look, <laughs> I'll tell you where this one starts. I found out about Aston Villa West Ham in the Premier League. They faced each other twenty-four times, six Aston Villa wins, nine draws, and nine West Ham United wins. I think I think that backs up what we said that they're a bit of a bogey side. Um. You know, we I, I, in recent years I, I remember mostly draws, but you know, in years gone by, it seemed to be defeats. So you know, six and twenty four is not not a good record. So hopefully we can uh, start improving that record at the weekend by getting three points. I think it would be vital to us pushing on in, into the into the winter and uh, keeping us keeping us strong in the league while keeping a close eye on what we're doing in Europe. Also, Paddy. I know you know what I'm doing on the podcast. Can you spread the word about it for me? Absolutely, mate. 100%. I really admire what you're doing here, and absolutely I'll share it everywhere for you. Thank you very much. No problem so, at all. Uh, Paddy, did you predict... Uh, was it 3-2 for the game? Uh, I predicted 3-2 for England tomorrow night, didn't I? <laughs> uh, what, what, Villa? Um, well, th- those that watch our podcast will tell you that I, I, I don't predict until I see what team he puts out. Blame, on the pitch. Yeah. But because you have me on here, I feel I have to predict something. So I'm, I'm going to do the same as the England match and go for a 3-2 Villa win. I think there'll be goals in it. I think th- I think it'll be two attacking sides going for each other. And hopefully the master tactician Unai Emery comes out on top with a 3-2 win. Nice one. Well, I'm going to go for... Uh... 1-0 Villa. It's going to be tight. I'm going to go 1-0. Very good. I'll take that too. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> and Anything that has a smile on my face getting back on that plane on Sunday night, I'll be very, very happy. Well, I'm going to read some of your live comments. That's all the other key comments. Well, John Blevins, he's my uncle. He put Defo, Esri Concer, should be in the England side. Without a doubt, definitely should be. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a comment from Daniela Stewart. Aston Villa are not ready 
for Champions League football yet. So calm down the tad. If we have two and a half, well, two or three years in the Conference League or Europa League, first team to play, the first learn to play league and European football, then go for the Champions League from a Hammers fan. Well, n- nice to have you in, Daniela, um, a Hammers fan. Um, I, I don't believe there's any right time to get Champions League football. I think if you're lucky enough to be in that position, you, you, you've got to cut your cloth to fifth and get the players in that you, that you need to compete at that level. So I, I just, I, I, I think that it could very easily happen and we will need to do that if, if it does happen. If it doesn't, so be it. I'd be very, very happy to play European football in some form next season. But the goal has to be Champions League football for me. In order to co- to compete with the big boys, we need to be playing as high in Europe as we possibly can. If not next year, the year after or the year after that. But we we all as fans are impatient and all we want is our team to do well. So if we can't dream, what can we do? Yeah. We have to dream. We have to dream big. When you look at Newcastle, look what I achieved. Absolutely. And, and, and got an amazing result in, in the process. You know, they, they, they'll, they'll more than likely get out of that group now if they continue the way they're going. So you, you just never know. And and the great thing about Newcastle, although they've spent a lot of money this summer, they, they, they got to the position that they're in mainly with the players they already had, which, which is what Unai Emery is doing exactly the same with us. So while you will have to spend the 50 millions on the Diabies and the 50 millions on the Sandro Tonalis or, or whoever your club decide to spend the money on, in order to push on, you do need to spend that kind of money. So, yeah, there's, there's no reason why we couldn't do what Newcastle have done. But as I said, if, if, not, if not this year, we're definitely in the right place with the best manager to do so. If he joined Aston Villa the start of last season, you probably would have been in the top four. Well, the the form table from from when he when he joined would tell you that he is. Um, I know that's not a full view of 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 what what it looks like because you haven't played both teams twice or every team twice in that time. So, it 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 just gives you a marker as opposed to being gospel. But we we have to we have to consider that we're we're definitely a contender to get up there. We may fall short if, if 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 we keep picking up injuries like we are. I've no doubt we will fall short. But the great thing is we're 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 probably what five or six games away from the transfer window reopening. If if we can manage these week, the coming weeks I think are vital for our season. We we've obviously got big Premier League games, but we we've got we've got a lot of hard ones out of the way. We've got very winnable ones now against. West Ham, Fulham, Luton. Mm-hmm. If we can, if we can pick up points in those as well as winning our European games, and we can get to Christmas by still yeah. being in Europe after Christmas and still being in and around those European positions with a little bit of strength, with a little bit of backup brought in, I think we can do really well after Christmas. Well, I got another comment from Daniela Stewart. There has been a lot of draws in this game. In the past, 
Yeah, and your stats back that up with with nine draws, nine defeats, and six wins. That's that's our uh, our record against against good, West Ham. Average, that's a good average for draws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Blevins, West Ham, another good team that should not be underestimated. Yeah, and look, a, a lot of us underestimated uh, Wolves at the weekend who managed to to get their tactics right. We, w- we might not agree with how they ground out that 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 draw, but they did get a win against Man City the week before. So you can never be too sure what team is going to show up on the day. But we, we I would imagine our very competitive manager is not going to underestimate anybody and is going to be prepared. As well, you can make it a Warsaw. I think we underestimated them. I think we did. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we went in a little bit too. Um, uh, too, uh, too negative maybe in that game. We we made too many changes. You know, our first game back in Europe, we probably should have treated it as a cup tie as opposed to one of the league games of that format. It was going to be our toughest game away away to Warsaw and away to Alkmaar. Obviously, going to be our toughest game. I suppose the bizarre thing with 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 Mostar beating Alkmaar at home has really left the league the, the league wide open now. Or yeah. or the you know. Um, so it's uh, it's made every game really, really important that we 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 treat them with with enough respect. Like we 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 really left it late against Mostar, and that would have left us in a horrible position. It's important we won that. Absolutely, that is a vital goal to score so late in that game. So you know, if if we can go and maybe pick up a point at at Alkmaar, that might be enough, and then. We, we, we go and, and play Alkmaar at home and we play uh, Legia Warsaw at home, both winnable games at home with, with the crowd behind us. There's no reason why we shouldn't. And then it, it, it could come down to, to beating Mostar away on the, la- on the last one of the, the Europa League or the Conference League. So it, it's an interesting few weeks away, as I said, up, up to Christmas. If we, if we can get into that transfer window, still competing in, in Europe and in the league, we'd be in a really good place. I'll go, to, I'll go to the next comment. If I'll scroll down it. Yeah, Gordon Haith. Can't wait for Northstan to be knocked down and rebuilt. I think everybody's the same, aren't they? It's just... Um, my, my first season ticket was in the North Stand, believe it or not. <laughs> Back in the 90s. <laughs> I'll read one more comment. Yep. Uh, Daniela Stewart. I thought Berlin was a Liverpool fan. Don't know, do hard hammer? No, he's, he's, he, uh, he's definitely a Villa fan. I found out from last year, it was a Sky Sports spoke about it. And that's why I found out. He was in a game, I mentioned it. All right. Very good. I, I didn't know either way, but. I find it intriguing when you when you when you find out things like that about about players and who they used to support as a kid. Um, that's what worried me about Ollie Watkins, knowing that Arsenal had sniffed around him oh, for yeah. a while, and him being an Arsenal fan. It, it's uh, it's really really good that we got him tied down into a contract now, so we can relax a little bit. Well, Paddy, you're going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you everyone for watching. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to my channel, like and share it.
also make sure to get your post notifications turned on as well. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. Thank you so much, Paddy, for your time. My pleasure. The last thing that is left to say is up the villa. Up the villa.